And we are back again with another episode from College to Combine. I'm here, joined by Riley. I am, of course, Michael Sicoli. How is everyone doing today? How are you doing, Riley? Because we we have news this week. We aren't making up stuff for the sake of the offseason. We're not doing best ball, which you weren't even here last week. Everyone missed that. But getting ahead of myself, how are you doing, Riley? Is this the first time we've done a show with your new glasses? It might be. No. <laughs> oh. I mean, at least not on this show. I've had it probably for a couple of weeks now. I don't know. What What do you think? What, what do people think? Everyone comment down below what you think of these new glasses. I got the clear. It used to be the iron ones. I was told it made me look 60. Now you look 10. Now I look 10. Fantastic coming from the eight-year-old himself. Yeah. But we have an amazing show this week because, again, like I mentioned we got training camp. Training camp is off. We have fresh news. We have headlines where all of a sudden we were, you know, everyone was sitting at work on their Tuesday, you know, and then all of a sudden flooded with headlines. You got Julio Jones we're going to talk about today. We have Tyler Algier is going to be the starting running back in Atlanta today. That's not at all the number two headline, but there's a million things to go through within one team, let alone the league, but we're going to try to touch on everything today. But before we do that, I want to quickly give a shout-out to For Frequency's Sake. That's where you're watching it now if you're watching live. If not, you're probably watching it afterwards. Still could be on For Frequency's Sake. Definitely worth checking out at FFSQC on Twitter. And, of course, the IDP guys, where I put out a lot of my content. You could be, again, watching that on the YouTube. Definitely subscribe there. Grant's been doing amazing work. And, of course, the Expo. Fans Football Expo is st starting up in a couple weeks. I will be there. A lot of the IDP guys will be there. And if you... Go through the IDP guys when you do it, when you buy your ticket. Get a discount. Get a lovely discount to go and have a great time. Have a football-filled weekend. There's no better way to enjoy your August as we get into draft season. That is a great way to do it. But another great way is to be tuning into this show, Riley. So let's, let, let's jump into it. Last week, I started it off with a quick question to my good friend, Brandon Hay, who was filling in for you because you couldn't make it last week. We were all very uh, totally sad, man. But the question I asked, I asked it was an important question. Who needs a good training camp? And as we kick it off this week, people it's underway, who needs to shine? I think Brandon Ayuk needs to shine. And I'm, I bring him up because um, it's, it's possible for him to have a really great training camp and really make a name for himself because I think he's a great player. That's, you know, all, we all know that's totally within the realm of possibilities, but uh, based on the reports that have come out today about Debo Samuel, um, that Kyle Shanahan have said that they've had some really good conversations about uh, his usage, about his contract, and it seems to be uh, moving in a positive direction for both the sides to find a long-term agreement. Um, you know, George Kittle's still around, and there are question marks about the passing volume and all that we've gone into over the past few months, but uh, the news about Debo Samuel and that he's looking more likely by the day to stay in town um, makes it more important for Brandon Ayuk to establish chemistry with Trey Lance to make himself seem more important to this offense because he was somewhat of an afterthought last year, especially in the first half when there were times he was not even on the field. It's, it's interesting. I've been warming up on Brandon Ayuk, but I also have tempered it at the same time. Because I think as, as Kyle Shanahan, we have a million headlines we can go through in a bit. I'm very excited to jump to that. But one of those headlines that, you know, put out this week, Kyle Shanahan. This is Trey Lance's team. 
Jimmy Garoppolo will be traded or cut, or he's going to be the backup. This is Trey Lance's roster. I don't know if Brandon Ayuk's going to get his. If Debo Samuel's around, he's going to get his. George Kittle will get his. I think Brandon Ayuk's way to relevance will be through an injury to George Kittle or Debo Samuel, which I hope will never happen. But otherwise, I think it'll be a really DFS type of play for Ayuk. Either way, completely agree that he needs a good camp. And with that said, let's just jump right into the news of the week because there's so much to go through. And let, let's start with the let's start with the holdouts because the holdouts are really, with the exception of Jesse Bates in Cincinnati, a situation that I think will get rectified in terms of they're going to agree to disagree. He will be back week one, but he will not have a new deal. He's holding out. Everyone else is doing the new thing, Riley, and that's holding in. You have DK Metcalf. You have Deontay Johnson. You have, uh, keep keep going from here, uh, Deontay Johnson, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, Roquan Smith, Derwin James. Huge names for fantasy football, huge names for football in general. All of them are at camp. None of them are really practicing. They're all looking for new contracts. Which of those names do you think will get a contract? I think DK Metcalf is the most likely of these to get a new contract, except for uh, I should say, except for Debo Samuel, because Ooh. I I think it's a it's looking more likely by the day Debo's gonna get a contract. So uh, I would say him, but I, I also think it's uh, pretty likely that DK Metcalf is uh, gonna get his extension. Um, Seattle is going through their you know clean the books uh, stash for the future phase, and he's he's shown that he's. A very capable part of this team when he has uh, non-Drew Lock at quarterback, which will be not be the case in the next couple of years. So interesting because you know, you bring up clean the books and then you're proposing them giving out a hundred million dollar contract pretty much. Cleaning the, clean the books for right now. I mean, I that this will be a long-term extension for when DK Metcalf signs an extension. I I think that deal gets I think the deal gets done. I would not be surprised. I'm not confident that it gets done. A deal that I got. I'm confident that Derwin James gets his extension. I think he's such a huge leader, great player for that Chargers team. That team loves him. That team is flowing right now. I think a holdout would be catastrophic for a guy of Derwin James's caliber for that Los Angeles Chargers team. So I think that deal gets done. I think Debo gets his contract, albeit maybe a little bit last minute. Who knows with that Shanahan system over there. They're, they're wild. Deontay Johnson is not getting his contract. I've said that over and over again. And Roquan Smith, I'll bring this up because Roquan Smith is a huge name for IDP and always has been. He will get this deal. The Bears cannot, in the same vein of Derwin James, where everyone assumes that deal gets done, the Bears cannot afford to lose Roquan Smith. He is so important to that team. Riley, who has more tackles? How many players has have more tackles than Roquan Smith? since he was drafted in the first round of 2018. Take a guess. I want you to guess. I know, I know Roquan Smith has been insane. He's one of the best middle linebackers in football. I would say there's maybe two linebackers who have more tackles than him since he entered the Two? League. Yeah. Okay. So Roquan Smith has 348 tackles. You know who has 349? Nobody. Nobody has more tackles than Roquan Smith since he entered the league. He is a great player, and the Bears are going to pay him as such. I think that deal gets done. But that, that's enough contract talk because that, that can go on forever. We're going to be talking about that next week if new news breaks on that. But before we do that, or before we just move on to the next one, because I, I the contract talks are who's not there, who's not playing. I want to talk about who is. 
and that's Chris Godwin, James Robinson. I did. We, neither of us saw this coming, right? I mean, no. James Robinson, who tried to what torn Achilles or torn ACL? Achilles. He tore his Achilles in January, December. This is absurd that he's avoided the pup. That said, and I put this on Twitter immediately. I hope it brings down ETN's ADP because I am still 100% out on James Robinson and 100% now on Travis ETN. ETN was the better player, still is the better player. James Robinson being on the field does not mean that he's healthy 100%, and it does not mean that he is better than ETN. It does not mean he was pre-James Robinson ACL Achilles injury either. So... All this does to me is firmly kick Snoop Connor out of any deep sleeper uh, conversation, and it does. Like I, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm happy for James Robinson. I'm not at all worried about Travis Etienne. How about you? No, I'm not. I'm not worried about Etienne. And uh, this is, uh, we've been talking about Russell Gage for some time, and this is uh, kind of a, a blow for him. But I'm when these headlines said, I was less thinking about fantasy and more just almost confused. Like for a guy like James Robinson, I mean, you don't have much else to lose, right? There's not, I mean, except for, you know, the long-term health of your body post football. I mean, he, He it was looking likely that he wasn't going to be playing football uh, on the Jaguars, maybe even at all. I mean, I'm sure he would get another contract somewhere, but he was going to end up riding the bench on the Jaguars if he stayed there. So, but it, it's a different story for Chris Godwin, who um, you know, got, he got his extension, but his his time is running out with Tom Brady. I, I guess that's one of the motivations for him trying to get out there early. But you know, science is crazy. It's listen. I think we are very we're realizing we got to adjust our expectation with injuries, but it also really does come down to certain players. Where Chase Young, you know, Chase Young. Just, yeah, well, we could trans- uh, transition right into that with the PUP list, NFI notice, uh, which is the non-football list and non-football injury list. And if you don't have a name here, if there aren't people that we're going to talk about, chances are I talk about it in the IDP Guys newsletter. So def- definitely check out the sign-up for that on the idpguys.com as well as on my Twitter. Check out the newsletter. I put a lot of effort into it. Run- I ran through a bunch of guys like the aforementioned Roquan Smith. And some pop guys as well. But PUP notables, Riley. I think that's exactly what we're talking about here with guys like Chase Young, who towards towards ACL in November, he's not right. And he wasn't expected to be right. Unlike a Chris Godwin, where all the news was negative this entire offseason of maybe he's back week one, could be a candidate for the IR. And all of a sudden he's practicing in, in August. So, what, uh, what names on the PUP kind of stood out to you? Because there were, obviously, we have a ton of news that got thrown at us with uh, regard to that. Clyde Edwards-Alaire was the one that really scared me, but luckily uh, for all us, for all the boys, he was removed today, and uh, that was really the only thing that was on my mind coming into this. So that's uh, all my sweat kind of gone off my forehead. All right, then I'll, I'll, I'll toss out one. Someone who's on the pup, but all the news has been positive, Michael Gallup who is a very talented wide receiver, who is also beating his timeline. Another guy that we were saying we would not see him until November. And now, you know, Mike McCarthy coming out saying very positive things, saying he looks good, even though he had 
He's not suited up, and he's on the pop, and he's not playing, so I'm not sure what Mike McCarthy is saying he looks good in. But the news is that he's on track, and possibly that he's ready for week one. Now, I will temper those expectations. I don't think he's going to be ready for week one. I think this is a little bit early for Mike Gallup to be in that conversation, which still paints Jalen Tolbert as a very interesting flyer, no matter the health status of Gallup. He's, if he's ready week one, that's that's a crazy recovery time, too. But I, I also want to bring up Christian Watson, who missed. He did, I think he he played in camp, was kind of playing through some nagging injuries, and now they're kind of shutting him down and will miss time in camp. Not good, not good at all. Now simultaneously, the Packers are apparently not looking to sign a veteran receiver, and then simultaneously, Sammy Watkins is also on the non-football injury list for something completely undisclosed. And then simultaneously, Riley, Riley, Al Lazard was called a Hall of Famer by Aaron Rodgers. What are you even what what do you make of Green Bay right now? Because the Christian Watson injury is a I think that's crippling for him. That is a devastating miss, missing valuable training camp reps with Aaron Rodgers at Aaron Rodgers at this point. Not good for any rookie, let alone one I have a lot of red flags here with Christian Watson. He was always going to be a work in progress. I mean, that was his big thing. He's coming into the league pretty young, but he's still an FCS product. Um, he's yet to really uh, show what he's capable of in terms of production. So this was going to, this was supposed to be the time that um, you know he he proves himself more or less. And uh, we've seen with a lot of players in the past that missing this time is is really devastating for fantasy value for football value on the field. Um, so the the Green Bay situation, I don't know why they're not trying to sign a veteran receiver because they could be running into the season with Alan Lazard, hampered Sammy Watkins if, if he's able to be on the field but still not 100%, and someone that they sign off the street going into week one. And that's disgusting. And speaking of hampered, let's talk about Marquise Brown, who is dealing with a hamstring injury. Picked that up today. He's not practicing, obviously, because why risk that with a hamstring injury? Antonio Gibson also with a hamstring injury, although they are saying they're doing that out of, quote, an abundance of caution. That's from Ron Rivera. Which of those two names are you worried about? I'm more worried. I'm, I'm worried about both, honestly. But I'm more worried about Antonio Gibson because Marquise Brown was trending up going into, into camp. A uh, new system, a quarterback that he's played with in college, a system that suits him. Um, and even if he's not totally healthy, even if he misses maybe two weeks at the start of the season, uh, there's still uh, a really good way to talk yourself into his production for the rest of the season. But a lot of people are in fade Antonio Gibson mode right now. And since he's uh, missing some time right now, um, it's it's just really scary. And we've talked about the downfall of, of him for quite some time. But um, this is uh, really we're, – we're starting to get to real, like, full-on panic mode with Antonio Gibson. I'm not yet because of how precaut- – they are there. I don't think they would be as loud about how precaution this is. I'm going to buy that it's a really a caution move with someone who has had these injury issues before. So I'm not panicking on Antonio Gibson yet. Marquise Brown, I don't like seeing these hamstring injuries in general. And it's not, it doesn't sound as, it doesn't sound serious, but it's not, they're not being as vocal about the positivity with it. Either way, it's just situations to monitor for both. It's nothing you want to see. 
But what you do want to see, Riley, in Arizona, we're going to go to news now. We're going to go to news. We're going to go back to the news of the week because we're going to stay in Arizona. Kyler Murray got his massive contract. Again, this this type of jumping around the segments of this show, I wanted to do it this way because of how crazy this week is. This is how symbolic it was. So we're going to go and go on a positive end now and talk about Kyler Murray getting a ridiculously large contract that was still a lot less guaranteed money than Sean Watson. But what are you? What did you make of the Kyler Murray contract? How? I, I yeah. I mean, obviously, there's the contract. There's the independent study clause. I want. I want to hear your thoughts about. I when I first saw that, I was I was like, there there are probably some other players in the league who have this in their contract. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a normal thing. That was my first thought, and then my second thought was. Four hours a week is not that much. Like, do you how we, how we we have spent so much more than that preparing for this show? How in, in terms how of when often, we're doing film study this offseason? Yeah. Oh my goodness! Like, how not often does Kyler Murray have to be watching film in order for you to make him watch four hours a week? Like that, you should be able. To, a lot of guys do that in one day, and that's a week worth of of film that has to be in your contract because they think you're not doing it. That's kind of interesting to me. I but love that they included, he got his bag. Yeah. Good for him. I love that they included video games that he can't be playing video games while he's doing it as well. Um, it's it's I I don't get it. And honestly, we've heard these maturity concerns with Kyler before. He said in the pre-draft process, if you remember, Riley, that he doesn't watch film. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, this is this is nothing new for Kyler Murray. We can expect the same. It's not going to impact his ability on the field. If anything, it'll help. But I, 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 it's not the clause you want to see if I was a Cardinals fan. I, you'd, you'd like to see no. four hours a week, man. That is, that is it's not that much. That is nothing. And if you're playing football, man, you should let, he wants to be playing baseball. He wants to play baseball. That's, that's what this is, Riley. That's deep down. Now, the other big news of the week, the other big signing of the week, Julio Jones. Julio Jones. I have seen such a wide range of reactions with this news. I have seen my my good 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 pal Luke Sawhook calling Julio Jones a top thirty receiver, and I think that was a I think that was an immediate reaction. He's kind of adjusted that, but he still is high on Julio Jones. So I've seen other people that total dust by the dip on everyone you possibly can. What do you think, Raleigh? There's been a wide range of reactions because there is genuinely such a wide range of outcomes and they could all so easily be true. I mean, like like what Luke said, uh, I don't I don't think it's realistic for him to finish top 30 because what it would take for three receivers to finish in the top 30, assuming Chris Godwin plays the full season, um, which we can't assume right now, but I'm just, not gonna for the sake of this, oh, yeah. just for the sake of this conversation, uh, how you know history has not been kind to three receivers from one team finishing in the top 30 let's even say top 36 to be generous it just it just doesn't happen very frequently so i mean julio jones has had uh injury problems in the last couple years adding chris godwin's um question mark over his head um i i think it could easily happen where neither of them play half the year and russell gage ends up with the one with the top 30 finish i i think it could happen where Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are both top 12 and, and Julio is top 40, top 35. Um, if I if I had to stop straddling the fence and I had to pick one, I think Julio Jones has a solid season, ends up as a top 40 option. 
Um, realistically, Chris Godwin plays like 13 games or something like that, make him, you know, miss the first three, four games of the season. And he still ends up top 15, top 20. And Mike Evans finishes top 10 like he always does. 800, five touchdowns, 60 receptions. Sounds fair? Because sure. I, I, that's like, it'll be the wide receiver 38, 39. And that's, I think, close to a ceiling barring an injury to Maybe it's not his ceiling because it's still Julio Jones, but we have not seen the Julio Jones we know in now two years. It's he was, you know, he the last time we wanted Julio Jones was when we wanted Michael Thomas, who was also on the field. I was by just going to the pub. Should have brought him up before. But Michael Thomas avoided the pub. Good for him. That's a big deal as well. We'll see how that progresses throughout the offseason. But we're preseason. We're done with the offseason. How about, how about that, huh? Preseason. Preseason, baby. Um, but. Yeah, I my where I came out on it is I don't care about Julio Jones. That that's that's more so where I'm at. If this pushes all of non Mike Evans uh, weapons down into the ninth, tenth round, I'll take my shot on Tom Brady's number two. I'll, I'll take a hundred percent. I'll take a shot. I'll plant my flag. And the one I would plant my flag on would still be Russell Gage if Chris Godwin is looking like he misses time come redraft. Right now, since Chris Godwin's on the field. I'm going to try to take – I'll take Julio Jones. But it's – I I don't think he's Julio Jones that we know. And I think if he ends up with that 805 touchdown line, it's just not going to help you that much. It's going to be hit or miss on each week. You cannot line up and start him. You can probably stream him on certain matchups. But I think it's going to be a real DFS situation. And if Chris Godwin's on the field, I don't know – I don't – know what julio jones does on a weekly basis i don't know like that floor is basement level to me close to oh it's gonna it's it's three for 40 it's four for 50 is 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 a generous floor to give him i don't that's not his floor at all that's lower than that but i i I don't think he's going to help as much and i think the dfs angle is is the way i want to kind of tackle the russell gage first uh julio jones discussion and also, it, since last week, we it happened early, uh, like right after the show, I believe. But Kyle Rudolph is also now a buck. Mm-hmm. Do you do you care about that at all? Actually, you know what? I want to say. You know what? Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hold that for our next segment, which is going to be Do We Care? Okay. Now, that is our third segment of this show. We're gonna go right into it again. Totally chaotic episode. We're gonna go. Do we care? <laughs> Right before I do that, I want to give a shout-out to Chris Carson because I don't want to ask, do we care if Chris Carson... Raleigh, do we care if Chris Carson retired? Not for fantasy, but we care in our hearts because we love Chris Carson, Chris Carson and this is what's best for Chris Carson. I love Chris Carson. He was always so quietly good. I really liked him, and I'm sad he that was, his career... Good, not spectacular. Yeah. What did you say? No, nothing. I, I said something I kind of regretted because I, I, he was okay. I think he was good, not spectacular, but he... He was nothing, man. He was a seventh-round pick, grabbed himself up from his boots. He got his bag before he retired with that neck injury. I'm, I am glad he's I, – I, I don't think he's making the choice for himself. I think he's being forced into it He got by that injury based on how long it took for this announcement to come. But, again, I, I hope I, – I wish the best to him. But yeah, he's still young. More positives. Yeah, I mean, he's 27, man, with a neck injury. That, that sucks. But at least he got, he got the first year of that extension that he – it was around 12 to 15 million. So 
I hope the Seahawks do right by him, and I think they will, given how he was respected that uh, on that team. He's a really good guy as well from all every every report. But a lot a lot more positive things to grab on. Do we care this week, Riley? DPJ. You know how many things I care about? Oh, we know. I, I this is this is a <laughs> real inside joke we, that you guys don't know. But Riley, Riley is a tough one to get to care. I don't about give a things. rip. I don't give a rip out nothing. Let's see if you care about this. DPJ is being rumored, is apparently one of the most, is a favorite target of Deshaun Watson, who is also being talked about in the two to eight game suspension range. Let's just call it eight. I think we can safely say eight. Hopefully it's more. Or not hope. We'll see if it's more. Um, but DPJ is is apparently a favorite target of Deshaun Watson right now this offseason. Do you care, Riley? I'm going to start with yes. I actually do care about this a little bit. Well, so, I mean, Deshaun <laughs> Watson hasn't been practicing with the full team for a very long time, right? And um, behind Amari Cooper, there's not a whole lot of, of great options uh, to work with. So um, it's it's nice to see that DBJ has kind of distanced himself uh, from where he used to be, which was a total afterthought. So um, the fact that he's, he's getting uh, what seems to be significant looks from – who could be his uh, quarterback for half the season, maybe more. Um, I think that's a positive sign. I I don't care because it's going to take, in my eyes, at least eight games for us to care about this type of report. And I don't think DPJ is going to be anything with non-Deshaun Watson. I do agree that he will win the wide receiver two job out wide. David Bell should work the slot and Amari Cooper should be on the other, the other guy out wide and, in a Deshaun Watson-led offense, there's 100% room for two relevant guys. And if I do want to take a shot on someone here, I I want to take a shot on the deep guy. So this is something I do want to monitor. If we see – I don't think we'll see any preseason reps to Deshaun Watson. We don't want to see that much trash being thrown on the field by fans. But I think we're going to wait and see on this. And if DPJ is still the number two receiver come week five, which seems likely – He's someone that I want to be picking up on wires. He's, he's going to be on a lot of them. Uh, another another headline I want to grab, Riley. Do you care that Ramondre Stevenson opened camp today with the ones? Damian Harris is working with the two. This was in a Matt Patricia coached offense because the Patriots don't have an offensive coordinator. They are they got Joe Judge, legend of the Giants, and Matt <laughs> Patricia, legend of the Detroit Lions. Two guys that were. Some of the worst coaching since we've seen in a long time. So, Matt Patricia was calling the shots on day one. Ramondre Stevenson was taking the run with the ones. Do you care? I've also, our boy Ethan Hurwitz was on yes, scene reporting on this. Shout out to Ethan Hurwitz. Give him a shout. Give him a follow on Twitter as well, Hurwitz Sports. Go on, Riley. Do you care? I, I cared about this a little bit when I first saw it because – uh, you know, we, we saw last season that Ramondre Stevenson was getting more work than we thought. Uh, and even though Damian Harris was still a very efficient player, he was still a good player, um, it, it creeped into my mind saying there are a lot of holes on the Patriots team. Like uh, linebackers, one of the bigger ones, they could use some cornerback depth. And I said, you know, Damian Harris, Damian Harris is on a contract year, but there's really not that much of a trade market for running backs, uh, especially for guys like Damian Harris who have never really popped I mean, he's, he's been really solid throughout his career, but he's never been top end, which is 
what you'd have to be in order to command something significant as a running back in the trade market. So it's significant to me that, especially this early in training camp, it's looking like even if Ramondre Stevenson isn't legitimately threatening to take over the number one job, it looks like it could be a 50-50 split. I do not care about this. I think tomorrow, or if you're probably listening, if, if you're listening to this after the fact, I'm talking about Thursday, I'm talking about Friday, Damian Harris is going to be with the ones. And after that, Pierre Strong is going to be with the ones. And then on Monday, it's going to be Damian Harris. And then on Tuesday, it'll be Ramondre Stevenson because this is Bill Belichick, and he does not care. He's going to play who's going to be the best guy. He's going to rotate them until he finds that order. And Damian Harris is the best running back on the scene. So Damian Harris was very good last season. Like, he didn't pop off the screen because the Patriots offense didn't pop off the screen and because he didn't catch the ball because he's not going to do that. But he was quietly one of the best runners in between the tackles in football. Like, all the metrics do support that. He was one of the best in true yards per carry. It's something that you want in your running back. And he's better than Roger Stevenson. I do truly believe that. And I don't think there's a trade partner for Damian Harris, to be honest. I don't I don't know who's making that deal. I don't think anyone's sending a pick, and I don't know why the Patriots even would, to be honest. But I think they just ride that till it rides. But uh, – Rides until it rides. That's my new saying, Riley. But um, <laughs> I, I think Damian Harris will still be the starter, and I'm not buying the dip because I don't know. I'll, I'll send a late pick for any of these Patriots back, but I will not spend anything more than a, a late second in the true I need to panic, I need a running back, and I don't want to do that in August yet. But we can move on to quickly on this one. This does This can be a quick hitter. Leonard Frenette, all the talk about 260 pounds. He is back down at 245 in camp. I saw a photo. He does not look ripped, but he does not look at all fat. He looks like he let. He looks like Leonard Frenette. Looks like how we saw him last season. Do we? Do we care? Do we? Were you panicking in the first place? Are you flipping back? Do you? What? Well, well, where are you at? Nope, don't care. Never panicked. He's going to own all the early down work, no matter what. Rashad White will take his receiving work that he had last season that made him. A top running back, but I think he's still going to be a good uh, between the tackles runner. They still have a top tier offensive line, and we always knew that this was going to be the case because a lot of running backs secretly do this. They add some some weight in the off season, they shed it down during camp, and they're good to go once the season starts. I don't care either because Rashad White is still going to eat into this role as the season progresses, and Leonard Fournette will be a difficult player to own in fantasy come week nine because of Rashad White. Different takes both agree that we do not care. Trey Sermon, speaking of not caring, has done everything he can, quote Kyle Shannon, and is, again, quote, as yoked up as he can be heading into the season. Now, this backup job is wide open in San Francisco behind Elijah Mitchell, who missed a lot of time last year. Jeff Wilson was the front runner last I saw. TDP was getting mixed headlines in camp. Trey Sermon was not being talked about at all, and Kyle Shannon tried to talk him up here himself. A, I got two questions. Who wins this job in in August, and who – and do you care about this headline? Um, unfortunately, no, which is sad because I like Trey oh. Sermon, and I want to care about this, but I don't. Uh, Elijah Mitchell is going to be the lead back if the 49ers have one. I don't 
care to mess around and and try to predict what they're going to do with this backfield because you don't ever freaking know with them. Mm-hmm. But uh, if I had to pick a favorite for the for the starter role, it would be Elijah Mitchell. And if I had to pick a favorite for the backup, it would be Jeff Wilson. He's the incumbent. He's been there a while. He's proven that he can be efficient in a backup role, and he's just played better than Trey Sermon last year. I agree with everything you said except – I do care about this backfield, and I do want to take a shot because this backfield is productive every single year. But on the other end, Malcolm Brown is being signed by the Saints, and I, I can feel you rolling your eyes that I put this in. I just want to bring up a direct comparison that anybody, because he is now trending on Sleeper because people are picking him up, this is the exact same situation with, again, Malcolm Brown that we had in Miami. Do, do you remember that? When he yeah. was signed to Miami... Yeah. It was an open backfield, and I was like, ah, you know, he's the veteran. You know, maybe he can grab it. Don't care. Don't even know if Malcolm Brown makes this roster. This signing means nothing to me. It's a death piece in a very crappy backfield. I don't think yeah. he makes the roster. I I he would be tough. shocked because he's really not that good. But, again, neither is half of the players in that group. Colts GM Chris Ballard said free agent T.Y. Hilton is in his retirement home, but he's actually, quote, still in the mix to re-sign with the team this season. Now, T.Y. Hilton has not exceeded 800 yards since, since around Andrew Luck. So I'm not bringing this up as to saying I care. But T.Y. Hilton's signing, I want to bring this. I want to bring that potential up because that would be a huge knock to any redraft potential of Alec Pierce. Or, uh, yeah, to Alec Pierce, really. Michael Pitt, I don't. it wouldn't impact my, my view of, uh, oh, my goodness, my view of Michael Pittman. It would not impact my love of Paris Campbell. It would be a big knock to Alec Pierce if that happens. Do you think? Do you think it happens, Riley? I don't think so. T.Y. T. Hilton was basically dust uh, last year. I mean, I tip my hat to him as a former very good player, um, but I would be shocked if he signs, and I'd be even more shocked if he, you know, makes the roster in some sort of competitive way and plays competitive football in a meaningful fantasy sense. I, I don't think he'll be meaningful for fantasy. Again, I think there's an off chance that Alec Pierce could be meaningful for fantasy, but that won't happen if T.Y. is here. I think this deal gets done. I think T.Y. Re- would have retired months ago if he didn't want to play. The only team he wants to play for is the Colts. The GM is saying that he's in the mix coming back here. I think T.Y. does end up coming back and playing with Matt Ryan, which is a really interesting duo. Just saying yeah. Matt Ryan and T.Y. Hilton, right? <laughs> Once upon a time, if we can go in the time machine. But the Athletics' Josh Kendall reported – that there is, quote, a scenario in which Tyler Algier, quote, becomes the Falcons' starting running back this season. It is a total no-kidding headline, but I'm going to run with it anyway and yeah. say I drastically care because Tyler Algier is the best running back in the system. I have said it for a while. We are both very high on Tyler Algier. I think he is going to be the starter within short order, and he's one of my favorite dart throw running backs take as my RB4. How about you? If you watch this show, you know that we care about yeah. this. And you don't need us to say it, but uh, he's the best running back in this room, and he's going to win the starting job, and he's the best. Yep, we completely are. We are on the same page here, which isn't always the case. Last one, Riley. The Athletics' Daniel Popper expects wide receiver Josh Palmer to, quote, distance himself as the third, clear third wide receiver during camp. Obviously, he's competing with Jalen Guyton, a dark, you know, deep threat guy himself, who apparently all reports suggest that he had a very good camp. 
But I trust the athletic. Daniel Popper saying that Josh Palmer is going to make that leap and take the start, uh, take the third job in what is going to be a very pass-heavy offense that will utilize three wide receivers. I know, uh, I know a few people on Twitter who have been chomping at the bit to get Josh Palmer late in drafts. I'm not as keen because I don't think Josh Palmer is anything special, and I think the volume is going to be limited as the third option if you aren't that special guy. But it's a valuable offense, while I do care. Yes, I do. I like Josh Palmer coming out of coming out of school. Um, you know, high draft capital. He was a third round pick. He's still only twenty two years old. Um, there's there's one deep uh, you know deep ball touchdown I remember from last year that you know was pretty freaking awesome. Uh, so I'm 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 in on Josh Palmer. Um, I won't be you know totally reaching for him. I'm not like I don't have to leave my drafts with him. But uh, the third piece in an offense led by Justin Herbert, who you know. By, by all accounts, is uh, a really strong MVP candidate. I think um, I think that's a valuable part of this offense to have. So if it's the last round of the draft and he's still on the board, I will probably be taking him. I'm pretty sure Justin Herbert is the odds-on favorite to lead the league in passing yards. So me not believing in Josh Palmer, this is the exact situation that I I, I will admit that there's, there's a 100% chance I'm wrong. And... I those situations I take I what's it called when the cost is minimal I admit I I am more willing to admit that I could be wrong when it comes to good offenses if that makes sense if that at all made any sense I don't know if it did but I I'm willing to take a dart throw on Josh Palmer if the ADP stays low because he's attached to a good offense even though I don't think it's going to hit the cost is so minimal compared to the upside in that offense. That's what I'm trying to get at. And that will be our show this week, Riley. We had a lot to go through. And we had a lot of headlines. It was training camp. How, how do you feel, Rod, that we're back in the full swing of things? I was excited for this week. I, I, I like having tangible things to talk about. Yeah. I mean, last week you missed it. We talked about best ball targets. Definitely check out that show on For Frequency's Sake on YouTube, as well as the IDP Guys YouTube. Check it out on other one. It's fantastic, by the way. Either way, you can see me, you can see Brandon Hay, who is not Riley here because he has better things to say. But that will be our show this week. Thank you, Evan, for tuning in, sticking with us. I am Michael Scully. You can follow me at Michael underscore underscore Sir Coley. Follow Riley here, Riley underscore Millet. Very simple, two Twitter handles to follow. At For Frequency's Sake on Twitter, YouTube, whatever you want to check it out because they are great guys over there putting out some great shows. And, of course, the IDP guys, at IDP guys on Twitter. Great content, great newsletter put up by yours truly every single Wednesday, and amazing website content. We're going to be at the Expo. There's a discount. Check out the website to get all the info on that. Also, the IDP guys invitational. That closes up this week. That is it. The grand prize for that? You know what it is, Riley? No. It's an entry into SFB 13 provided. Provided you are into, uh, provided you do sign up for SF3 13, you can win an entry to that if you win our invitational. Again, check out the website for all the info there. It's for autism awareness. Great thing to be involved in, especially if you want to try your hand IDP for the first time. That is our show. Thank you all for tuning in. Have a good night. Stay safe. Stay healthy.